All right, folks, it happened. After weeks of speculation, President Donald Trump was arrested. And not for being a Russian spy, not for threatening Ukraine, not for causing an insurrection, not for trying to undermine an election, not for being literally Hitler. Nope, they got him on something more important. A convoluted interweaving of laws and an untested legal theory. Apparently the left feels vindicated, I guess. I don't know. The entire thing is a circus and we'll attempt to show you all three rings we're going to be talking about this and more in episode 392 of the In the Tank podcast. Welcome to the In the Tank podcast. As always, I am your host, Donald Kendall. Joining me today, I've got Jim Lakely, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir? I'm doing fine. I actually want to wish my mother, who I know is watching this uh, podcast, a happy 87th birthday. She's the uh, the nation's actually youngest 87-year-old by the way she acts, looks, and uh, lives her life. So um, happy birthday, mom. And I know that you love Trump. And we're going to be talking about Trump a lot on this podcast. And I'm going to do my best not to swear or maybe only swear oh, twice. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday to our biggest fan and Jim's biggest fan uh, in that order. Chris Dalgo <laughs> also joining us, who is the director of editorial director at the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today? Good, sir. Doing good. Just want to wish Jim's mom a very happy 87th birthday as well. Sweet. Yeah, we're going to have a gym rant in her honor, I suspect. Um, also fun. also joining us, we have Justin Haskins. Oh, wait, he's a no-show. Uh, he's taking care of a little one. We can give him some, uh, we can cut him some slack, I think. But he might join us in the midway through this episode. We'll see. We'll see. But before we get going, I do have to put out that uh, message that I have at the beginning of every episode, which is to help us out by doing a, just a couple of things, hitting that like button, sharing this content, subscribing if you haven't already, even leaving a comment under this video helps boost the algorithm, break through that big tech algorithm that prevents content like this from being shown to more people. Also, for those audio-only listeners that are catching the show on a Friday, you can join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon Central Time, where we are hosting this live on Twitter and Rumble and YouTube and Facebook. You can join the conversation, throw your comments and questions in the stream. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. We'll see. And also, one more bit of housekeeping. Uh, I'm not going to be here next week. So uh, we have been on baby watch for the last couple of weeks here at the Kendall house. And uh, that little boy will definitely be here by next week. So I'll be taking at least the next week off. So you're going to have to deal with Jim being the host. Last time around, I only missed one episode. So I suspect that I'll be back in the saddle in the following week. But Jim, how excited are you to take the reins in my absence? Very, very excited. <laughs> I know the listeners are too, because I'm so great at hosting without you here. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, I mean, you're going to, it's going to be up to you guys to pick the topics and everything. So all the stuff that doesn't get through the Donald filter uh, is going to just be free reign next week. So don't get our channel canceled. That's all I want to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't make, can't make any promises. What can I tell you? <laughs> 
Um, one more thing that we should get to before we get to our main topics. Um, and that is that um, you might remember those constant listeners might might remember a couple of weeks ago, Chris celebrating the defeat of Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot in the <laughs> recent mayoral election. He knew then that it was still up in the air of who was going to win the runoff election between a liberal guy and an extremely liberal guy. Um, but he took that uh, week in the interim, couple of weeks in the interim to celebrate that Lori Lightfoot was no longer the mayor. Well, surprise, surprise. The runoff election has concluded, and the incredibly liberal guy has won the race. So, Chris, what do you expect to see from uh, the upcoming Chicago mayor, Brandon Johnson? Well, just just for a little bit more context here, uh, February 28th was the day of the original uh, election in which Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, lost. That was my younger sister's birthday. So I remember we were out to dinner, and we were watching returns, and we were pretty excited. We were pretty pumped. But then in the back of my mind, I thought, but what if, what if this Brendan Johnson guy wins? But then I was like, no way. Paul Vallis, I mean, he was the clear front runner. He had, uh, you know, the, the vast plurality of the votes in the, uh, in, in the election, in the general election. But obviously, ran to a runoff and you had your top two candidates, a guy by the name of Brendan Johnson and a uh, guy by the name of Paul Vallis. Paul Vallis was your more, you know, middle of the road, moderate Democrat who, uh, talked about um, increasing the police presence and kind of just getting Chicago back on track. And then in the other corner, you had a guy named Brennan Johnson. He's a basically a Marxist. He's a socialist. He also is about defunding the police. He, I went to his campaign website and I read all his policy positions. I mean, he's, he's, you know, off the wall and he won. So, <laughs> I'm still kind of digesting this all, all of this and kind of like processing it. You know, I mean, it's like I, I won at one point, you know, the, the night of the election, which was on Tuesday, I was getting a bunch of text messages from my friends who still live in Chicago and they were just in shock. Like, uh, this is not really happening, is it? Yeah, it happened. So now we have to look forward to Brandon Johnson taking over for one of the worst mayors in Chicago history. And I think it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. And just one more uh, quick point. The last time Chicago had a Republican mayor was 1931. State. I was going to say like the 1800s. of one party Democratic rule in the city of Chicago. And look what it's wrought. You know, so instead of instead of, uh, you know, that being an indictment on the Democratic Party and just the terrible policies that they have been uh, pushing on this city for the past century. What did they do? The people of Chicago doubled down and went even further left. And yeah. got one, one more quick thing. Less than 500,000 Chicagoans voted in this election. That is a pathetic, pitiful turnout. It's like right. 8% of Chicagoans voted for one of the most important elections in this city's history. So oh, No, no, no. That's, that's 20, you said 28%. You said 28%? 20% of eligible voters. 20% of eligible voters. That's right. Yeah, this, this guy gets to be mayor after getting like, what, 1% of uh, the actual like Chicago population. So. But Jim, I mean, Chris seems shocked. Uh, <laughs> this seems like the least shocking thing in the world to me. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, let, let me see if I can sum this up with, uh, with, a, with, a, with a sound. of Chicago losing and going down the tubes. They have elected a racist, socialist, defund police uh, person to be the mayor of one of the great, what used to be 
one of the great cities of the world. I mean, I've lived in New York City, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., and now in Chicago for uh, since 2010. And Chicago was by far my favorite of all those cities. It's it's relatively clean for a big city. Let's just say this is what Chicago was like in 2010 to like 2015. You know, it was relatively clean. It was safe. Uh, it was friendly. The summers in Chicago are just fantastic. It usually doesn't get too hot. It's just really nice outside. You know, walking down the brights, you know, walking down the streets of Chicago, downtown in the loop with a bright sunshiny day in the summertime, you know, I'll always have those memories, but that Chicago is gone now. Um, this, uh, a buddy of mine uh, asked me yesterday, actually, you know, some people had asked me, what do you predict? And I said, well, the worst option is what is going to happen. I always pick on the worst. You know, one of my mottos is it can always get worse and it probably will. And that's what's happened in Chicago. You're going to be begging for mayor Beetlejuice to come back and fix the city at this point. Uh, but, but look, you know, this, this is, Somebody said that this is um, uh, welcome to Detroit. That, that Chicago is going to turn into Detroit. I'm like, hey, don't be so optimistic. Where's <laughs> yeah. the Detroit? This is this is unbelievable. That uh, you know you're going to see businesses flee. Chicago, Chicago is it's a shame. Like I said, it's it's one of the great cities of the world. Used to be one of the great cities of the world, and uh, now they've just decided to uh, throw it all into the crapper. So. Yeah, glad well, Donnie, you and I have talked a lot about this. Uh, so I grew up in a, a, a little town just north of the, of the city called Northfield. And I used to go to the city all the time. I would jump on the L. We'd take the purple line down to a Cubs game or whatever. We, we, we would just, I mean, going to Chicago was almost like a rite of passage. Now, I don't go to Chicago more than once, twice, maybe three times a year, only when it's absolutely necessary because of the crime, because of the cost, because of the filth, because of the panhandlers, on and on and on. They're, they're making it so that uh, tourism, which is already down, is going to be even more down. The city of Chicago is in, you know, is in a steep state of decline, and this is not going to make things better. Things are going to get worse. Yeah, it's it's getting to the point where, like, if I was one of the citizens in Robocop, I'd be rooting for Delta City. Like, that's that's where we're getting to here in Chicago. Uh, but uh, but anyways, uh, enough about that. I'm sure there'll be plenty of updates on the state of Chicago over the next coming years. Um, so we'll we'll definitely have that on our radar. But we should get to the main topics at hand because there is a lot to get to. So I think everyone is aware of the news regarding Trump. I don't think that I have to get into the background details of the story. We covered it pretty well a couple of weeks ago and uh, when he was originally supposed to be arrested. Well, now it finally happened. For the first time in American history, a former president of the United States has been arrested. But with that arrest, we did get some more information. So just reading from an article published by the Federalist's Author uh, Margot Cleveland puts it well with the uh, with the title of her article. Uh, Alvin Bragg's Trump indictment is even more pathetic and partisan than we could have imagined. So reading from this a little bit, it says the public had to wait longer, however, to learn the, the specifics of the 34 criminal counts contained in the indictment. When finally unsealed, the indictment prompted a figurative flipping of the pages with Americans looking front to back for something real there, but there was none to be found. So I've heard or read several commentators who have suggested that there, that there probably is going to be more to this indictment than we may have thought last week, that there might be some surprises in there that are actually more damning than some of us might have been speculating in the past couple of weeks. Well, apparently that's not the case. 
the author of this piece describes how the indictment document and the supplemental statement of the facts ring hollow and fails to even identify clearly what makes this a felony case. So, Chris, uh, I mean, you've had a lot to say about this in the office and even on the show. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on Trump actually being arrested now? Well, this is a very dark day for America because now the president has been set that a uh, a person who is running for president can be indicted on completely bogus charges and that can have a huge impact on the uh, 2024 election. And that's what's going to happen because this case is going to go to trial in December. And December is right about when all the primary states are going to start having their primaries. So Donald Trump is going to be in that in the strange position of having to attend court while also uh, campaigning for president. And Donnie, I mean, I, I know we don't have the time, nor this is the place to go into the details of this indictment. But basically, if you really break it down to its most simplistic form, what Alvin Bragg is arguing is that in uh, 20 during the 2016 election, Trump defrauded the public by making the NDA agreement with Stormy Daniels. However, this is a very important point. Those payments didn't go through until 2017 when Donald Trump was in the Oval Office after the 2016 election. So the entire thing, because I guess Evan Bragg can't read a calendar properly, the, the, the entire thing is moot. It is going to get thrown out. It's probably, it should have gotten you know, thrown out you know, uh, on some of Trump's uh, legal team's um, appeal efforts before the trial or before the you know, charges even filed. But this is going to go nowhere. But really, I think this is about setting uh, the tone because there's going to be three more of these uh, Trump uh, you know, get get Trump uh, witch hunts uh, coming down the pike in Georgia and with Mar-a-Lago with the raid and then also uh, January 6th. So I think this is just kind of setting the tone and kind of getting the people ready for this. Oh, great. It's great. So yeah. this is this is like the first this is like uh, to use like Marvel Cinematic Universe terms. This is like phase one. And they're setting up for a Trump Cinematic Universe across the CNNs and the MSNBCs, you know, for the next several years. This is fantastic. It's I can't gonna be a, at least a trilogy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jim, I, I'd want to explore the story from a couple of different facets. Um, but uh, before we get into any of those specific things, what are your just kind of initial thoughts, wherever you want to take this conversation. Well, you know, one of the reasons we're talking about this is because I, I, I typed about 5,000 words or 10,000 words in our <laughs> Slack channel together about this sort of stuff. And so 10 I paragraphs, talk. folks, 10 paragraphs, him we lobbying for us to talk about this extensively. <laughs> right. Well, you know, first of all, I mean, how are, how are those precious norms going in America today that, that Trump was always breaking? You know, now we, we have, as Chris said, this is unprecedented. Uh, there's a reason why this isn't done. And to have it done um, on such uh, phony, fake grounds is what makes it even worse. And so this is an ex I wanted to talk about this today as a larger discussion on how the left uh, is destroying all the institutions in which they have influence and control in everywhere they have it. I mean, the United States has a federal justice system today that persecutes elderly, nonviolent January 6th protesters, and a guy who shared a meme making fun of Hillary and her voters seven years ago was just convicted of a federal crime and faces 10 years in jail. That guy's name is Douglas Mackey. We might talk about that case a little bit more uh, later in the podcast. But um, a person, by the way, so he faces 10 years in jail for posting a meme 
and a person who did the exact about Hillary Clinton uh, and her voters, a person who did it, the exact same thing, exact same thing, but targeted Trump and his voters, supposedly making sure that they can't vote. Um, that person faces nothing, no charges, nothing. So the so the the, the federal justice system is being weaponized for against the political enemies of the ruling class, the regime, and the left. Uh, so the same Manhattan district attorney who is, uh, and this just, it's not just federal stuff, the same Manhattan district, district attorney who is persecuting Trump on complete bullshit charges that don't exist. There, there actually isn't even a crime. Not remotely is there a crime. Um, he, he's letting, he lets all these criminals go free. 52, um, uh, I think 52% of things that were felonies are now misdemeanors. Uh, he, he lets rapists and murderers and, and violent criminals just walk the streets. Uh, no bail for those people. Uh, but there was a, a, a case just a couple days ago, a hardworking immigrant in New York City uh, who got shot by an assailant twice, somehow grabs the gun, shoots his assailant. And this same Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, charged the victim with attempted murder and illegal possession of a gun. He woke up in the hospital weeping, chained to his hospital bed. And it was only because of public out outcry and stories in the New York Post that he dropped the charges. Or this guy, that guy would have been pr uh, prosecuted for defending himself. This is what the left does. It, it, it creates uh, anarchy and then brings in totalitarianism uh, or, you know, tyranny in, in, in control. Um, so, look. The left, they, they're just taking control. They are abusing their power. Um, you know, they want to ban gas stoves. They want to ban gas water heaters, gas furnaces. They want to outlaw the sale of regular cars. You are not allowed to live your life the way you want to. You must live your life the way they do. And they are weaponizing every lever of power they have to go after their political enemies and punish them. And so that's what that's what this this is really all about. I mean, the, the charges, who knows? Maybe Donald Trump could go to jail. I doubt it. Some people think he will. I think that the entire case is so ridiculous. You would think anybody who can read, you don't have to be an attorney. If you can read, you know that this is complete crap and this should never have been brought. But is there but do does anybody really have faith that a judge could be impartial and actually look at this and do what he should do and throw it all out? I don't. I don't have any faith in that. Do you have faith that a jury in New York would 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 exonerate uh, Donald Trump on these bullshit charges? I don't. I don't have any trust in our institutions anymore, and especially not in the justice system. And that's one of the things that people, when they were talking about this on cable, I don't have cable news, but I understand on cable news they would talk about, hmm, you know, the danger here is that this could make people lose faith in the uh, in the justice system. You think? <laughs> <laughs> I have no faith in the justice system. I really didn't have it before this happened. And, and it's, that now that's just been completely destroyed. And to the left that wants to control you and, can, and make sure they all basically have permanent control of the government, this is an easy cost to them. This doesn't cost anything. They think this is great. In fact, it's probably a feature and not a bug of their strategy. Yeah, well, you've covered a lot of things that I want yeah, to get into sorry. a little bit, uh, a little bit more in depth. No, 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 no. It's it's good because uh, at the end of the podcast, or at least I want to save at least fifteen minutes to just kind of talk about the George Soros connection with all of this and how this isn't just some isolated thing. This isn't just some isolated uh, case with Trump with uh, that Elvin is it Elvin Bragg mm -hmm. or uh, you know any of the different DAs. Like this is a countrywide issue that's going on. So I want to definitely save some time for that. But let's let's dwell in this kind of Trump uh, uh, part of the story for a little bit longer. 
So you got into this gym and, and Chris, you touched on this a little bit too in your opening comments, but just kind of like the, the different standards, right? Like this is, uh, this is like as clear cut as you could possibly make it. And it's a, it's an argument that I think conservative types do have to be a little careful with because it can come off. Like if you're not, if you're not careful in the way you phrase this, it could come off like, well, Hillary got away with stuff. Therefore Trump should get away with stuff too. No, and like that's, that's, that, that should not be like how it comes off at all. So I, I think that that is like a, a bad way uh, of phrasing it and, uh, and should be avoided. And I agree. There's obviously a double standard here in the justice system for those that are favored by the ruling class versus that those that are hated by the ruling class. I have no doubt about that at all. Uh, and what's crazy about this is that the things aren't even in the same ballpark. It would be like if one side gets a pass for murder while the other one is being charged with jaywalking. Like, that's the leagues that we're talking about here. So it's not like, you know, Trump should get off because Hillary got off. It's like, if we're going to hold people to a standard, let's hold everybody to a standard. But Chris, d- go d- ahead. Yeah, okay. I, I really want to, you know, nail down that point that you just said. So in the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton paid for the Steele dossier. I think it was a couple hundred thousand dollars, and she used campaign funds to do that. All she got was a little slap on the wrist from the uh, Federal Election Commission a couple of years later, she had to pay a small fine. In 2008, a guy by the name of John Edwards was running for the Democratic uh, presidential nomination. That was the guy that had the $500 haircuts. You know, he was, you know, a real man of the people, apparently. But he had a love child with a, a female named Rachel Hunter, who I think was uh, on his campaign, a reporter or something. He used campaign funds to pay for the love child. And guess what? He was he was found not guilty of doing that. This, that went to the Supreme Court. You can it is not against the law for Donald Trump to use his personal funds, 120, 130,000 to pay Stormy Daniels for a non-disclosure agreement because she wanted to tell the world that they had an affair when he claims he didn't. And actually, she claims that she uh, that uh, they didn't as well. That is not illegal. It's not illegal under any circumstances. Also, I mean, there's just so many like angles to like dive down into here. That's a federal issue. Why is the Manhattan District Attorney General, who does not have jurisdiction over federal issues, why is he pursuing this case? Why is he pursuing this case after his predecessor, Cy Vance, said that there was no case to pursue? And the Federal Election Commission also said that there was no case to pursue. Hmm. This is we, we must remember that uh, that Alvin Bragg campaigned on the promise that I'll get Trump, I'll hold him accountable. So, right. you know, this is completely political. I think that he's doing this for his own reputation, for his own, you know, future, you know, power play. But so, the, the but the sad thing is, is that this is going to, you know, tarnish the country. It's a black eye on America. The president of uh, Venezuela came out and was saying how terrible this is. The president of Mexico came out and said how terrible this is. And also, it is ruining our reputation around the world because if we're arresting uh, past presidents and presidential candidates who are the front runners, and and on bogus charges. Guess what? We don't have the the ability to go into the, like a place like Ukraine and say, clean up your act. We can't because our act is not clean in the first place. So, you know, so so I am like for keeping elected officials as accountable as possible. You know, like he, even if this was like some low level thing and it's like he broke the law, like, all right, you know, he should be he should be held responsible. Obviously, no I would think broken. the state. Uh, obviously i would think the same thing about anyone with a d in front of their name as well and but like the way that this is being like talked about and the, they're throwing around this idea that he's potentially going to be facing four years in jail time and it's like all of this over 
I'm getting mis, uh, uh, misaligned numbers here, like $150,000 in hush payments or something. And we're told that he's a billionaire, right? A billionaire. So it's like a person. Let, let, so let's put those in numbers that are a little bit more relatable to like an average person. Um, even somebody that's a little bit higher than average. Let's say you have like a net worth of a million dollars. That would be like you uh, doing something that could be unlawful with like 150 bucks. You know, but, it's not like but, Trump but, is but, over but here laundering not, but, billions but wait a second, of dollars. But this, is, this is a very <laughs> important uh, point to make. It's not unlawful. NDAs, yeah. non-disclosure uh, agreements, are, saying... are, are they, they, they are, uh, you know, a, a just like a foundation of, uh, you know, corporations and people. Tiger even, Woods, Tiger no, Woods. No, no, you know, I'm when, saying when, give them the benefit of the doubt. Like even if it wasn't everything they were saying is completely truthful and all of that. It's not like we're we're we just uncovered like the fact that Donald Trump is laundering millions and millions of dollars. Like this is like him spending 150 bucks. Worst case scenario. Like let's not paint what's, this what's, into what's, being like some super villain over what's, here. What's what's super sad is that the uh, Justice Department has been going after Trump for you know since 2015. And this is all they could come up with. They released <laughs> yeah. those task records. It's like they, they they have gone to hell and high water to right. get this guy. And this is what they a little. Oh, he, he didn't properly account for the, uh, you know, in, in the ledger, which which he doesn't do. Sorry, Donald Trump is not sitting there, you know, at his desk, you know, doing his uh, personal like financial records. He has someone right. doing that for him. Donald Trump yeah. just, you know, just says, OK, fine. Yeah, do that. So that he could save 150 bucks. Jim, uh, any comments on this idea of different standards? I know you already kind of touch on this. So if you want to jump to the next thing, that's totally fine. No, I got I got more to say on that, as you might imagine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, I mean, one of the things people say is like, you know, uh, you know, you guys hey, watch out, Democrats, when the Republicans are in charge, you're going to get it uh, just like uh, Trump did. What a what a joke. That is a complete <laughs> joke. Republicans won't do that if they're in power. They won't do it now. There are, you know, if you can if you can get a man a leftist uh mediocre Manhattan district attorney to trump up charges on Donald Trump, um, you know, there there's gotta be uh, a Republican district attorney somewhere that could uh bring charges against, say, Hillary or I don't know. Maybe that crack smoking son of the president. Maybe he should have. Uh, maybe somebody should uh, file charges on him. That will never ever happen. The abuse of this is always on the left. This is what they they abuse their power because that is the point of it. What is the what is the to a leftist who is in government? What is the point of having power if you don't use it against your political enemies? That is the mindset, and that is not the mindset of elected Republicans by and large when they get in office. Because I can't think of any examples, but I am old enough to remember. See this this has been going on for a long time, guys. This is not just now because of Trump. I'm old enough to remember when the IRS. Uh, abuse its power to, to uh, silence Tea Party groups uh, under Obama. Um, you know, and what you're seeing now is just a ramping up and an acceleration of this fundamental transformation of society uh, to warp speed. Um, and this is not even, is it so easy to forget the massive and blatant abuses of power against Trump by the deep state when he was president and even before he became president? You know, there's, there was lawbreaking going on all over the place among government officials, and there have been zero repercussions, zero. They lied in to a secret court to get warrants to secretly spy on innocent Americans. Uh, a high up in the FBI, this is a name from the past, Kevin Kleinsmith, he forged documents to present to a court to continue the spying. Nothing happened to him, nothing. These things violate the constitution. They violate federal statute. They violate our precious norms, <laughs> but, and it doesn't get more clear cut than that. And nothing happens to these people. 
you know, the absurd framing of Michael Flynn, impeaching Trump on, you know, because uh, a phone call that that sausage figured bureaucrat on the Ukraine desk didn't like impeach him for that. Um, impeach him for inciting an insurrection, even though he told everyone to go uh, protest peacefully. The, if you think if you're waiting for these leftists in positions of power to suddenly have a pang of consciousness and think, you know what? You know what? You, guys, this isn't right. This is an abuse of power that we've been temporarily given. Uh, th this is un-American. You know what? Laws and regulations should not be bent or broken just to advance our political interests. If you're waiting for that to happen, you're going to be waiting until you're dead because it is never going to happen. These constant abuses of power are what they are in power for. They don't see it as an abuse. They see it as good. They see this is the, this is the very point of having political power and government power is to punish political enemies and remake this country and eventually remake the world. So this yeah, is why none of this should surprise anybody. Well, and that's kind of the point that I was making with my like a uh, joke at the beginning of the podcast where it's like, oh, it wasn't for Russian collusion. It wasn't for, you know, all these terrible things that they like leveled at him throughout his entire campaign. It's for this like low level thing that nobody could even like, if you were put on the spot, you wouldn't even know like your average person walking down the street that hates Trump. They wouldn't even know, but they feel vindicated because he's going down for something that potentially. That do you see how that makes it better from their perspective and worse for everybody else? If you can take down a president of the United States for literally nothing, that shows how powerful you are. If sure. he had actually, as he used to joke, if I shot someone on Fifth Avenue, I'd get away with it. If he shot someone on Fifth Avenue when he was prosecuted for that, that's obvious. Of course, sure. you have to arrest him and prosecute him because that's an actual crime. To take down the leading candidate against the sitting president, Joe Biden, in Donald Trump, taking him down for nothing. That is the ultimate expression of how powerful you are. They're just puffing their chests out with this bullshit. So, so I want to, I, I do want to talk about like the idea of if any element of this does benefit Trump in, in one way or another. So last time I talked well, about he's this, raised, he's raised $10 million since the, uh, well, that answers one of my questions. I was going to say, last time I talked about this, Chris kind of rejected the idea that Trump was stood to benefit from any of this. But I think the Babylon Bee put it best uh, with their reporting, because their reporting is, is better than half the reporting you see out there, uh, at least on one side of the aisle. Hmm. The title is, Democrats Throw Biggest Ever Fundraiser for Trump Campaign. <laughs> it's all in regards to this whole circus act of them uh, getting him arrested. And uh, when we talked about this a while ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the uh, a story I read suggested that the Trump campaign raised $1.5 million in the days after announcing that he was going to be arrested soon. I didn't know what, what that number currently stood at, but uh, taking Chris at his word, I hear that it's $10 million. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I suspect that 24 seven news coverage of the most popular candidate in the race right now is good fundraising fodder for a base that sees Trump as the target of constant political aggression. So, I mean, the story, the story is just highlighting that claim over and over and over again. Like anyone that believes that, which, you know, I, I think you should, uh, is just being validated that, that he is being politically, uh, an uh, just a constant attack, uh, politically. So, I want to know, but does, Donnie, this, does this, wait, 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 I'm yeah. going to pose a question to the audience. Does this story that's been going on with Trump being arrested, does it make you more or less likely to support Trump? Just put, put that in the comments, more or less, this is just a very informal straw poll here, uh, more or less likely to support Trump. Uh, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that I have a 
an answer to that. I think that this is going to cement his support with the base. But I think that what the Democrats are trying to do here is they're going to try they're trying to keep the ongoing chaos uh, narrative around Donald Trump because they know that independence and they know that suburban, you know, women, they don't like all this chaos and they don't like, oh, what's this guy? Do? You know, he's having affairs with porn stars and paint. It's just so what I think they're trying to do, I, I don't think they're I, I think they are just trying to tarnish him even more with the independence and the uh, suburban uh, women voters because they view that if he can win those back like he did in 2016, then he'll win in 2024. So that's why I think this is about. And it, and I'm not I'm not so concerned with like because the base is going to be with Trump regardless. 35, 40% of Republicans, I'm one of them, they're going to be with Trump no matter what. But it, it it those are not the people that are that are going to determine the next election. It's that 10%, 15% of independents and especially those suburban women who do, really do determine these elections. So I I don't know if this is going to be good or bad for that. Uh, we do have a, a super chat here from Algebra Cabin Man uh, for $20 saying, uh, just basically giving us kudos here for uh, listening to one of the best podcasts on the internet. I'll take it. Uh, that's probably <laughs> just Jim's mom with a with a weird alias there or something like that. Uh, maybe it's a legitimate person. I'll take it. Uh, that's great. Uh, that actually does remind me, super chats are a function that we do now have. So if you want to support the show, it's a very easy way to throw us a little bit of uh, uh, you know a, a tip here or there. And if you put a question in there, we will address it on the fly or at least uh, at the very end of the episode. So thank you for that, Algebra Cabin Man. Uh, Jim, the idea that this is going to help Trump, I, I think that Chris is right that in the general election, it probably won't do great for him. But uh, for the primaries, it might, or at least, I don't know, maybe that I'm reading between the lines a little bit there, Chris, but. Um, oh, no, I but, agree with you because but, he is he is shooting up, uh, you know, in terms of popularity uh, uh, among his, uh, uh, you know, Republican uh, primary counterparts. Everyone knows that I was like the biggest Trump fan, right? Love the guy. He did his four years. Uh, you know, he, he lost. I was like, all right, all right, guy, we can move on, you know, all of that stuff. But like after all of this, I can't help but want to put on my MAGA hat again. So, Jim, I don't know. What are your thoughts? You actually have a MAGA hat, Donnie? I do, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Good for you. You should wear that out in public all the time. <laughs> Jim, especially when you go to Chicago. <laughs> yes. Chicago's MAGA country. Jim, do you have any uh, any? Well, Jesse Smollett says so. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I saw a story the other day that uh, the Biden administration – I mean, first of all, the idea that the Biden administration had nothing to do with this, that uh, District Attorney Alvin Bragg in New York City was just acting independently without any consultation with the White House or the Democratic Party is absurd. And there's going to be hearings, apparently, at the, uh, what is it, Jim Jordan chairs like the abuse of government or abuse of government power, or, I'm sorry, the weaponization of government committee, special committee or something like that. Uh, you know, he says he's going to drag Alvin Bragg up there and and get it out of him, whether he whether or not he was uh, coordinating this with the White House. Um, of course, he was coordinating with the White House and he will lie uh, and say he wasn't. And uh, that'll be fine. And he'll face no repercussions, even if there's, you know, smoking gun evidence that he was uh, uh, cooperating with the White House. In fact, I got to let, let's let's listen to our uh, to our esteemed president here. Um, he's going to mumble something that kind of uh, really, really, I think, encapsulates. I'll play it, Andy. That really encapsulates, uh, you know, what's going on here. We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he uh, 
under legitimate efforts of uh, our constitution, does not become the next president again. So, so it doesn't matter what Trump does in the primary. This entire thing was to make sure that Trump was never be president again. You know, when, hmm. uh, it, it's great. I'm, maybe that twenty dollars might be our last super chat because I keep wanting to say things in a specific way that is going to get this channel demonetized. I've already sworn three times. I'm sorry, mom. It's been three. I'll try not to do it the rest of the way. But uh, the, the idea that, <laughs> that, that people are going to allow us to pick Donald Trump as our president again, do you really think that that, that could happen? Look what they're, and they're doing everything they can to prevent it. They, are arrest, they arrested him on no charges, on nothing. The indictment has no underlying crime at all. They will stop at nothing to make sure Donald Trump isn't president again. So, you know, is this going to help him in the primary? Is it going to hurt him in the general? Yeah, probably. It'll probably do both of those things. But uh, unless he was to win, you know, living here in Illinois, uh, and it, you know, living in Chicago, any Republican, we've had a couple Republican uh, governors over the last 10 years, one of them, Bruce Rauner. And you always have to, in, in Illinois, you have to win above the margin of fraud because Illinois is so corrupt. So you basically, if you're, so Bruce Rauner, I think he won his election by like two or three percentage points, which means in real fair election terms, he probably won by 10 percentage points. Donald Trump would have to win the presidency at Ronald Reagan 1984 type levels <laughs> in order to be president above, above the, above, above, let's just say that's what he would need. I'm just going to leave it they there. Would still I don't call him illegitimate. They still call him illegitimate, but the, the number of votes that he would need would be more, let's just say be more than 81 million, which is what Joe Biden got. Everybody says, right? So <laughs> yeah, th that's the, this abuse of power is to make sure that Donald Trump is never president again, because he is the only president in our lifetimes who basically was not part of the system. He is an, he was and is always will be an outsider. And he gummed up the works of what was supposed to be Obama's third term and globally what was supposed to be, um, you know, like the Great Reset and, and the WEF and all those plans they had. They came to a screeching halt because Donald Trump was president, not Hillary Clinton. So I just don't, I just don't have any faith. Again, my faith in all of our institutions is basically nil. And I, so I have very little, 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 little faith that even our election system is on the level. Uh, you know, if, if the person managing Trump's campaign finances is potentially happy, then so, too, is the corporate media who have been looking for any reason to inject Trump back into the news cycle. And here we go. They have limitless fodder oh, now. You so have no clue. <laughs> tune into CNN for, you know, the around the clock coverage of Donald Trump. Will he be convicted? What will he say next? Will he go to jail? Don't miss a second of this most important story of all time. Now, did you see, and I think we might have some of this, uh, Jim, you can you can let me know if we do. Did you see some of the footage of like the media lined up down the street uh, for their on-site coverage of Trump's arraignment? It was literally like a mile long and you just see it panning across. And it's like, there's ABC, there's CNN, there's NBC, you know, there's PBS. Like everyone had their talking heads and their screens and their monitors. Everyone wanted to have that shot live on the ground and all of that. And it's just like, this is exactly what they need after spending years of just getting their ratings by just trying to trash Trump for any reason possible. Um, and, and then he was gone and nobody watched the news anymore. Like CNN's ratings were just in the dumpster. And now they have all the reason in the world to actually talk about it again, nonstop. Everything else is secondary because Trump did something and we're going to cover it. But uh, Chris, you watch these channels um, infinitely more than I do because I don't watch them. So, I mean, is that an accurate uh, description of, of what's going on with them? Ever since the indictment was announced, 
the banner on MSNBC has said Trump indictment. That's literally all it said. They it's have talked burned, about it. It's being burned into the TV screens of on, M- on, on MSNBC. Because I think MSNBC is even worse than CNN, according it, to my, you know, like scientific assessment of this. <laughs> is, it, uh, is it up there like the old COVID death ticker used to be? Is yes. That basically it's, it's just, it's just it, they even have a thing where it says scan to, to read the indictment, like a little whatever those things are called. QR code. QR code. <laughs> oh, yeah. They are just loving this. They are oh just God. over the top with it. CNN, yeah, they've been, you know, really, really hyping this. But at least I have noticed that they've talked about like other news. MSNBC has just been straight Trump indictment since what was it tuesday or wednesday whenever this like thing went down it is crazy they're and they just keep repeating the same thing over and over and over it is so boring it is so monotonous <laughs> they're like they're introducing new like uh new new things new uh um you know uh, like put on your 3d glasses for this next <laughs> segment because then you could actually see trump walk in the building <laughs> coming to an imax screen <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is just crazy Oh my gosh, Jim! You are uh, a recovering journalist. You like to say, um, <laughs> yeah. "I mean, this is this is just as much red meat as you could possibly give the CNNs of the world, right?" You know, Trump's presidency. Yeah, it it made a lot of money for CNN, especially at MSNBC. I, I think I don't think I don't think you can recreate that magic. I think I think it's over for them. I don't think even Trump being indicted uh, is going to help. Uh, help help the media and good they deserve to die uh you know cnn deserves to just uh go away they have no ratings they they they're virtually gone away um uh, there's people that have channels on youtube that get 10 times as many viewers as cnn does Um, russell brand is on youtube he has 61 million subscribers i think that's insane and so yeah cnn is irrelevant uh i I actually don't think they'll get a bump and uh i hope you know i hope i'm right because uh you know we don't really have a media in this country. We have a we have propagandists for those in power. Uh, I am so glad I'm not a journalist anymore. I could I could hardly. I, I don't even know if I I would have probably quit by now because it would have been so uh, so frustrating, you know, to 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 try to be a real journalist and basically get mobbed out of my job by my colleagues. Uh, what, so, but but Donnie, what what's what's really frustrating is is the mainstream media they poison the well because yeah, I'm not saying that every single American is watching CNN and MSNBC religiously, but the fact that it's on ABC News, NBC News, CBS News, MSNBC, CNN, PBS, it just it creates like a like a tone in the country where it's like yeah, that Trump guy he's bad, he does bad stuff, and uh, he's in trouble again. And I think that you know Joe Sixpack who doesn't pay attention to this stuff nearly as close as we do, they just kind of glance at it and go. Well, yeah, there you go again. And, you know, that those are the people that I'm worried about that this is going to impact in terms of the next election. So what is the next thing that's going to actually happen with this? Uh, I saw somewhere that like January is going to be like the next part of the trial, December, which is right before the Iowa caucus, as you mentioned. Um, Surely it'll be delayed. There's no way this is going to be on time. So the court case is probably going to play out throughout all of the Republican primaries. So, so, I mean, is that what we have to prime ourselves for? Um, And I don't know. Also, also, sorry, I I almost forgot the second part of that question. Is this going to be like televised? Like, are we going to actually be able to watch this? Is this going to be like the Johnny Depp, uh, Amber Heard situation where we get to watch like every day of the court case? Can anyone fill me in on this? Well, they didn't allow uh, 
video cameras into the uh, initial proceeding because the judge said that that would create a circus-like atmosphere. And actually, Trump's legal team argued against that. Circus-like atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 apparently, it wasn't circus-like enough. But um, I don't know if that's going to apply to the actual trial if and when it goes in uh, December. Uh, all right. Well, there, there, uh, Jim, I'll give you last words on this topic, but then I want to move to the George Soros part of the story. Let's just move to the George Soros part of the story so I don't start swearing again. Maybe I'll swear <laughs> in this segment, so we'll see. You probably will. So another angle of this story is the role of George Soros. And just a warning, even mentioning the name George Soros comes with a whole lot of baggage. You're either going to be labeled a conspiracy theorist or an anti-Semite if you dare mention his name. Like that's literally anyone that brings up George. Oh, Soros. the media is really pushing that. Anyone yeah. who anyone who criticizes George Soros or Elvin Bragg, you're either a racist or an anti-Semite <laughs> or both. Right, right, right. But there is a direct connection between this Trump indictment and George Soros, and a, and a much larger story. Like I said, that's kind of going out. Uh, going on throughout the country. So over the past like seven to 10 years, George Soros has been actively overhauling the justice system in major cities throughout the United States. Uh, while most of the public attention when it comes to politics are usually um, uh, focused on presidential elections or senators or uh, representatives or governors, there's a lot less attention that's paid to attorneys general races. Well, over the past several years, George Soros has po poured tens of millions of dollars into these races. And these are races that are funded at a far lower rate than any of those other things that I just mentioned. So major George Soros funding is connected to not only this district attorney Bragg in New York, but Kim Fox in Chicago, Kim Gardner in St. Louis, George Gaston in L.A., Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, and many, many others. A headline from the aftermath of the 2022 elections read, George Soros-backed district attorney candidates sweep election. So it's, it's not that they're doing well. It's that they're doing extremely well. George Soros has backed 75 prosecutors nationwide, according to the New York Post. And uh, these DAs are behind some of the worst policies that uh, you have probably heard of. So there's just a, a, a kind of a list of things that I've seen from different articles that I was looking through and while I was prepping for this podcast. But some of the examples include 10 days after taking office, Portland DA Mike Schmidt, backed with $320,000 from Soros, announced he's refused to prosecute rioters in the summer of 2020 and instead defended him them. Uh, weird stance for prosecutors. Even though rioting is a felony, he doesn't prosecute those cases. Philadelphia's Larry Krasner, backed with nearly $1.5 million from Soros, dropped charges on more than 60% of shooting cases and 37% of illegal firearm cases in the two years after taking office in 2018. I thought these people were supposed to be hard on gun crime, right? Uh, oh, no, no, no. That's just, um, nah, that's just virtue signaling stuff. When it actually comes to gun crime, they let it go 60% of the time, apparently. Not coincidentally, shootings and homicides have spiked since then. In 2020, Philadelphia prosecuted the lowest number of felony cases in 30 years, even though the city saw 499 homicides, more than New York has uh, with five times the population. In Loudoun County, uh, the Board of Supervisors decided to give DA Buda 
Bib Sharaz, I don't know how to say her last name, office a smaller budget increase than requested in 2021 due to high turnover and her handling of domestic violence cases. Of 735 cases brought to her office, she dismissed 491 of them, bringing only 8% to trial. And many of these Soros-backed DAs have eliminated bail uh, bail systems in their cities. They have chosen not to pursue policies that aim. Uh, uh, they've chosen to pursue policies that aim to result in more equitable imprisonment rates. They have chosen not to pursue charges of theft uh, that are under a thousand dollars of of theft. And there was a story from the Washington Post from just a couple of weeks ago. That was titled DC U.S. Attorney Declined to Prosecute 67% of Those Arrested. Here's why. And, uh, and, and, you know, like this, this idea of these prosecutors not like bringing charges upon criminals in their, in their cities has at least two major effects. One, it creates a revolving door for criminals and criminal activity. Uh, do you think that these people that were let, let off the hook for shooting crimes in Philadelphia? Thank their lucky stars and chose to live a life of peace afterwards. I doubt it. And two, it discourages proactive policing. Why would a police officer waste his time and effort to try to arrest somebody when chances are the state is not going to press charges and they're just going to let the guy walk out the back door? If anything, the police officer is probably uh, uh, going to think that he is more he or she is more likely to get in trouble when getting involved in a situation like this. So they'll just walk away instead. So, I mean, Jim, uh, as I just read off a bunch of those examples, I mean, this isn't just limited to a handful of cities. This is in pretty much every major city across the country. What do you think? It is. Uh, although I don't have cable anymore, I do watch uh, clips of Tucker Carlson uh, from time to time on, on YouTube. And, and you might have seen the other night uh, that he said, what we are witnessing is anarcho-tyranny. And I alluded to this earlier, that uh, state-sponsored anarchy accompanied by political tyranny. So leftist goons are allowed space to destroy uh, <laughs> while the state uh, trumps or invites, invents crimes with which to punish its political enemies, uh, which is anybody not on the left. So uh, this is happening by design. I mean, Kim Fox here in, uh, in Chicago, she's, uh, you know, she was installed by, by George Soros and, and George Soros money. And as you pointed out, um, when when somebody as wealthy as George Soros basically can spend unlimitedly, uh, you know, can, has unlimited spending capacity for these local races, the, the, there's no way his his or her uh, or his guy or gal for a district attorney race is going to lose. Uh, if you're outspent 10 to 1, there's no way you're going to win. Uh, and a lot of these are just done in the Democratic primaries, too, because you know that that's how this is going to happen. So but but the point is to is to create chaos. The point is to is to uh, is to dishearten law abiding citizens and to and to reward, frankly, criminals and criminality. There's there's no other way to explain it. I mean, there's there's no reason why. Uh, you know, what used to be felonies and violent crimes are now considered misdemeanors in New York City. There's no reason why, you know, a, a rapist or uh, a murderer should get basically low or no bail. Uh, accused rapists are just walking on the street. They just walk right out because uh, because of social justice. It would be unjust to put a criminal in jail. That, that's the mindset of these people. But it is to, it is to purposely create uh, chaos and to dishearten people and to frankly destroy this country. And uh, it's it's hard to look out in the world sometimes and think that the the America that we grew up with 
American, uh, an America with a, with a, a real justice system, with a sense of justice, is salvageable. Because all I see, it seems, are examples of, of those principles, the principles of our justice system, the principles of America being destroyed at every turn. Yeah, Chris, I mean, this is a topic that you've wanted to talk about for weeks, and I wanted to do it justice and, and kind of bring it up in, a, in an all-encompassing way. Um, but I thought that this Donald Trump story was just like kind of downstream from this larger story of just like the political takeover of all these DA positions and all these major uh, cities across the country. So you've been wanting to talk about it. So have at it. Uh, you know, what do you see from your perspective with all this? I totally agree with Jim's assessment that this is anarcho uh, tyranny because, and, and I think the Trump example and the New York city example is so symbolic of this because what you have going on there is lawlessness in New York city. You have carjackings, you have burglaries, you have rapes, you have the, the, the subway is totally unsafe. People are scared to go out. However, the DA is obsessed with a political uh, you know, uh, vendetta against Donald Trump. And, but, but I mean, that is just so symbolic of what's happening across the like landscape of the country here in Chicago, Kim Fox, she does not prosecute criminals. She lets them out. And, and, you know, it, it's, it, it is setting such a terrible, uh, you know, behavioral uh, pattern where these criminals are just are they're ramping up their crimes. They know that there's no punishment. They know that there's no accountability. So they're just running rampant. And it's just it's going to get worse before it gets better. But at the other on the other side of things, I think that you have to almost give George Soros as much as I pains me to say this. I hate to say it. He's brilliant in an evil way because he realized that you can get so much more bang for your buck. If you just give a couple hundred thousand dollars to a uh, DA such as, you know, Kim Fox or Kim Gardner, because that's going to go so much further than, you know, uh, him buying a Senate seat or buying multiple Senate seats and actually passing laws either in the state or at the federal level to, you know, to reform the justice, you know, uh, uh, system. So he's just found a little end run around. And you've got I mean, I hate to say this, but I give him credit for just being very, very. Uh, you know, smart about doing this. And he figured out, oh, there's a there's like a gimmick. There's a little like trick I can use where if I just, you know, pay off these uh, DAs and get them in my back pocket and just tell them, listen, just don't, you know, don't go after criminals that you're going to create anarchy. But then at the same time, make sure you do go after the political people like Kim Gardner. I remember she went after the McCloskey's. Remember those uh, the 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 prominent oh, right. uh, law lawyers who all they did, this was during the, the 2020, you know, uh, peace and love riots. There was no, there was, there was no violence. Remember there was no violence. Right. Uh, a, a whole bunch of people came and were, you know, on their property and, and it was like a mob. And what did they do? They just got their, their weapons, which they had every right to do so because there's this thing called the second amendment last time I checked and they just, you know, were protecting their property. What happened to them? Kim Gardner came at them full throttle did right. she go after any of the protesters or any of the people in, that, that that completely ruined what you know what's left of st louis st louis is a just complete to use jim's words shithole <laughs> and it is just completely you know run with uh violence and 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 crime but she made sure that the mccloskey's really got it because they're the ones that we need to be worried about donald trump's the one we need to be worried about not the common criminals who are just running free yeah, see, it, see, Chris, including Hunter Biden. 
it's, it's the it's the it's the combination that that is so disheartening. It's the, it's it's yeah. going after people who are not criminals and letting and, and at the same time letting actual criminals go free uh, and not prosecuting actual crimes, but going after um, uh, basically going after people for political crimes or opposing the regime. I mean, we we brought maybe Andy can bring it up again uh, that meme that Douglas Mackey had posted on 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 Twitter. Again, this was in the 2016 campaign. This was seven years ago, and it was it was a joke. Everybody knows it was a joke. Yet the the U.S. attorney uh, for the Eastern District of New York in Brooklyn, well, they they got a, a federal uh, jury in Brooklyn, and they convicted this guy, and he faces 10 years in jail for a joke for telling a joke. That's it. And of course, the the person did the same thing, but going the other in the other direction, and there's nothing there's nothing to be done. Uh, the, the, the press release that the U S attorney's office put out, um, you know, st they stated as if it's important and self-incriminating because they labeled Douglas Mackey. I'm not joking as the 107th most important influencer in the upcoming election in 2016 with 58,000 <laughs> followers on Twitter, as if this is, yes, that's in their press release. That's in their, in their bragging about convicting this guy or getting this guy convicted who didn't just commit outside any the crimes. top 100. <laughs> yes. Just outside the top 100. Uh, you know, and then they actually said in here, um, they said, yeah, they said it's, quote, cynical to say that you have free speech rights in the Constitution because that was one of his defenses. You know, saying that I'm allowed to make a joke on Twitter and I'm not depriving anybody of their sacred right to vote by doing so. It's cynical to say that, to say I have First Amendment rights. So it is the combination of letting the criminals go free. But even more importantly, I think it is a it is a warning you shot that your freedom will be will be smashed if you do not get in line and uh, if you oppose the regime and if, and if you don't get in line, support the regime. That's the, most, the real message here, and it's very scary and very un-American. The most disheartening thing about about all of this and this George Soros like kind of like plan with all these DAs is that it doesn't seem like it should work on paper. You know, like oh, I'm going to bring in all these DAs and they're going to let crime run rampant. It's like oh yeah, good luck. Then nobody's going to elect those people next time around. But apparently they do because these people get reelected all the time. I mean, Lori Lightfoot's policies seemingly failed and Kim Fox policies seemingly failed Chicago. So we got rid of Lori Lightfoot by bringing in a more progressive candidate and Kim Fox. Oh, we'll let her have another try. Like It's just it's absurd that this plan is working because on paper it shouldn't be. And Jim, I thought you were going to mention this when you brought up Tucker Carlson, because I just recently saw a, uh, a clip of Tucker Carlson talking to I think maybe the mayor, somebody representing Miami. And apparently the, the, the clip, and I was unaware of this, but apparently Miami is having a, uh, the opposite is, is going on as all of these major cities. And they have actually seen a crime rate that is, uh, hasn't been lower since like the 1930s or something like that, almost like a hundred years. And you know what they're like, uh, uh, plan for success here. They're, they're, uh, their ingredients that cause all of this success was all of the opposite things of that list that I announced off uh, off there. They're actually going after criminals, and uh, the governor has actually lowered taxes, and uh, that has resulted in more economic prosperity, and the unemployment rate is like 1.2% or something like that. And it's just like, can't we just like look at cities that are doing it right and be like, let's replicate that? But instead, we're just like, nope. We're we're gonna do all these terrible things that all of these DAs are doing in all of these worst cities across the country. It's unbelievable to me. Well, uh, as, as I said, the, the the purpose of this is not it's not just an accident. This is to destroy those cities and destroy uh, basically 
uh, you know, an, a functioning free society. Yeah, Miami is, is, isn't doing that because they're doing it on purpose. But these other cities, it's not just, oops, well, gosh, I guess our ideas aren't, aren't working. Their ideas are working. This I don't is know. what they want. <laughs> see, see, I don't know. Maybe George Soros wakes up every day and he thinks, man, this justice system is really unfairly sticking it to those lower level thieves and drug dealers and people that illegally possess and shoot guns like that. That needs to be overhauled. That That's what he, that's what gets him up in the morning is to make sure that those crimes against humanity are rectified does anyone believe that like it's, it blows my mind uh chris we got 30 seconds left i'll give you final words on any of the topics that we've discussed on this podcast so far i think that some people do believe that and that's why they keep electing these prosecutors who don't prosecute crime but but go after people who are their political enemies so i don't i it's like donnie you know if if, if the incentives work the 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 system the status quo is going to stay in place so this is working they are you know look at elvin bragg i mean he's being commended by everyone in the mainstream media for for standing up to the you know to, to donald trump so you know what do you expect yeah absolute craziness everybody but uh, we will definitely keep you apprised of these topics and more on every week of the In the Tank podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us this week. Um, like I mentioned at the forefront of the episode, a handful of things. One, I'm not going to be here next week. Uh, I'll be welcoming into the world my second child. So, Jim, you're going to be stuck with Jim as the host. Um, also, for all of those that want to support the show, you can by doing a handful of things. You've seen those super chat function that's popped up a couple of times during this episode. But you could also do stuff that doesn't cost you a penny, only it costs you a couple of seconds. Hitting that like button, sharing this content, subscribing if you haven't already, or just leaving a comment under the video all helps break through those big tech algorithms and prevent content like this from being shown to more people. Also, if you're listening to this, you can leave a review for us on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated. If you'd like, you you can follow us at Twitter at In the Tank Pod, or you can send us your comments and suggestions to the show by emailing us at In the Tank Podcast at gmail.com. Jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you? At Jay Lakely on Twitter, at Heartland Inst on Twitter. Always check out Heartland.org. Fantastic. And Chris Talgo, what do you have to pitch today? I'm just going to repeat what uh, Jim said. Go to Heartland.org. Lots of great stuff there, as always. Fans fantastic all right thank you all for tuning in we will talk to you next week